Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it. Today, we are thinking about manifesting miracles. Mm, that's a thinker, because let's be honest, right now, the big wave is manifesting affirmations, and this is something that we need to think about, people. So, luckily for me, I have Michelle on my show, and she's going to share with us her perspective on this and let us know what is the hype of manifesting. Tell me, girl, what is the big hype? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I am Michelle J. Lamont, and I would love to answer any questions or help you understand manifesting a little bit better. Um, And if you don't know what manifesting is, um, it's okay. So everything in your reality right now was once a thought in somebody's head. The shirt you're wearing, the, the chair you're sitting on, the table you eat at, the house, the plates, the food, everybody thought, wow, maybe I'm going to create a company that's going to make hot pink polka dot shirts or blue tube tops or iPhones. And so it was in a manifestation that they were able to create in reality. And so is everything in your world. So you don't have to necessarily understand or know what manifesting is, but I can tell you right now, you've been manifesting your entire life. That's interesting. That is very interesting. So I guess the biggest question is, what's the difference between hope and manifesting then? Well, I guess, you know, that's a, that's a, Ooh, that's a bigger. Some, yeah. <laughs> that's a, well, hope is when you feel desperate. Okay. So, so you're kind of almost like in a lower vibrational state, you're almost like pleading or, or wishing. Um, okay. And manifesting is understanding the metaphysical properties of quantum physics, but also understanding that in a vibrational universe, everything that you think about, you bring about. And so hope is desperation, where manifesting is actuality. That's interesting. I like the way that you put that. But I'm assuming that you don't have to know quantum physics to manifest, though. No, of course not. I mean, babies manifest. They cry, booby appears. I mean, they manifested their milk, right? So we've been manifesting um, our whole entire lives. It isn't necessarily something new. Um, If you're somebody who practices the the Christian religion, um, it is featured almost uh, 225 times in the Bible. Um, and almost every single religion manifesting is spoken about in different terminologies, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're, well, Buddhism isn't a religion, it's a practice, but Judaism, um, Sikh, whatever you practice, um, in some form or fashion, the desire to bring something better into your life has been a way for you to connect with a divine energy in order to create something new into your reality. And so uh, when you think of manifesting, you know, there's great stories of famous people who are consistently talking about manifesting or affirmations um, or, you know, how they did it and what they did. But I think at the very core of it, when you want to bring something into your reality, it's normally at a time where you feel the most despondent or the most distressed. And so you feel like you're pleading, like, you know, there's some big sugar daddy in the sky and you're like, Oh, please. May I have this lottery winning thing? And may I have this car? And can I have the baby? And can I get the husband? And Oh, can I also get the winning lottery numbers and yada, yada, yada. And that's a form of escapism as opposed to, actually connecting with your angels and your guides, your higher self, your future self, 
all the versions of you that have ever existed and say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of playing in a matrix where I'm always less than everybody else. And stepping into your divine power, you have a divine right to be abundant. You have a divine right to have blessings. You have a divine right to have prosperity. You have a divine right to have abundance. And we've been taught that if I don't look like you and you don't look like me and you don't have the education I have and you don't have the money I have and you don't have the color I have and you don't have uh, the education that I have and you don't have the background that I have, well, then you're not as good as me. And so we're going to sit at a separate, a separate table, right? And really and truly manifesting is like, you know, you're, the table is always open and you can always sit with us. And the, the reality is in this uh, 3D reality versus a 5D reality, um, which the earth during 2020 came into the age of Aquarius as opposed to in the 70s, the dawn of Aquarius, we're shifting into a new timeline where people can actuate their realities a lot faster. Um, in my last live class, I had one person manifest $110,000 in front of all of us. I had another person manifest $20,000. I had another person manifest $10,000. I had another person, she didn't. She, had, she was a mom. She put her last $75 in to take a class of mine. I had no idea. And um, she was living in a very, um, she was a recovering drug addict. And she had been listening to my podcast for about a year and a half. And she was like, I'm doing it. I'm taking one of Michelle's classes. So she started waiting tables and she set this money aside to sign up for one of my classes. And she was like, can I have a little private session? And we talked about it. And I said, well, you know, you're hooked on that. You need a better job to move your daughter out of this bad neighborhood into the good neighborhood, as opposed to allowing the universe to just bring you something. You have all this resistance. And I said, why don't you just come up with a list of 25 Three realistic ways. Okay, I get a I get a wonderful job. Um, there's a life insurance policy from a relative I've never known about, and it, it gets cashed in because great great Aunt Julie died. Okay, <laughs> and um, the third way possibly, you know, somebody in your family helps you out, and you're able to get the deposit, and you're able to move into a higher vibration where you can afford it. After that, I want it to be all radical thinking ways. Like it could be Mickey Mouse shows up at your doorstep and hands you to the keys to the perfect condo in this beautiful building where she lived. And so she came up with all these radical ways that the universe could bring it to her. And this, this was a, um, a six weeks class. Um, the class I have starting on Sunday is a three week class, but this was a six weeks class. And, um, uh, and so she, by the end of the fourth week, had manifested um, somebody through a former employer of hers had a uh, apartment uh, literally in the exact school district that she wanted her daughter to be in. Um, and this guy was going out of town for like 10 months and he needed somebody to live in the apartment and watch it and make sure that it was okay. And she got gifted this free $4,000 apartment on week four. So we're living in a lack-based reality because that's all we've ever been taught. Now, I'm a first-generation American. And um, in my for my mother, you know, she grew up with a dirt floor and they had like a communal restroom um, and like two 
uh, stoplights in her little pueblito in Colombia. And to think that her daughter now lives in a million dollar home with my dogs barking at dolphins and boats all day, driving past her house, um, is probably bigger than my ancestors can even imagine. And so we all start from some place in our reality, and then we decide what is real for us. And that limiting ideology will allow us to either expand or collapse within the quantum field. So quantum physics is the small science and science is the big science. Okay. And so you don't have to understand it to be able to manifest. You just have to start saying like, maybe I really don't know. Do you curse on your show? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Maybe I really don't know what the fuck is actually going on. And maybe I've really been manipulated by society to believe that because my my primary language is not your language, my primary color, my ethnicity, my family traditions are not Judeo-Christian, you know, white people stuff, that I am not supposed to have these things. So I'm just going to idolize people who have like a, a Jennifer Lopez, a Shakira, a Beyonce, Oprah, whatever it is. And, and put my, put them above me and say like, oh, well, like one of us made it. No. Right. That's, that has, that has been the situation for years, for years on end. That has been the way of thinking and the way of thinking that has been passed down from generation to generation of living in that survival mode and pity mode and, and limitations. And it just shows that, you know, that, that frame of mind never left them because my grandfather, he went through the, the great depression. And when he went through, after the great depression, all he does is hoard, you know what I mean? So I've always seen that. And he always passed down to the generation, like survival, survival, survival mode. And, and before him, his dad went, escaped the Holocaust. You know what I mean? So it was constant in our family to have that frame of mind of just like, Oh, you're always going to be lacking. You need to always save You're never going to have enough. Never. And you're always going to be prosecuted. Exactly. And they're always going to be some type of judgment on you for whatever you do. So you might as well just stay in the shadows. And that was that was when I was like, no, this is not going to happen. There has to be a change. And I think it's beautiful, everything that you're saying, because you you really put it in a different perspective where it's like, oh, that's true. If you reflect on your own life and, and you reflect on your own situation, then you realize like, you know what, every time I actually spoke positive and and actually seed what I wanted actually appear in my mind who's to say that you can't just continue to go for it because I love that story that you shared with your client about your client and how she wanted to get move out and, and find a home and I think that's a beautiful thing because that's a hard thing there's many people that are living in tents you know and to think about oh I can manifest an actual home I mean I mean sadly to say it gives people hope you know because they're in desperation you know and and I think it's I think it's an amazing ability that humans already have, but we just don't tap into naturally as we do breathing air or driving a car. You know, I mean, we don't think about it in the natural aspect that it can happen, like anything that can happen. Life is endless of what we can have come into our lives. So I guess my next question is, when did you start manifesting in your own life to see life change and evolve around you? Well, we've been manifesting since we were born. 
Um, but I didn't know what it was called. Right. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, great things seem to happen to me, even when bad things are going worse. When my mother died when I was 10 and a half and my father decided that he didn't want to raise me. So he kept my brothers and 90 days after he she died, uh, he drove to an orphanage and gave me away. And I had lived a very luxurious life with nannies and and nice things. And I looked like her. I sounded like her. And, um, you know, in some weird way, I guess he probably thought he was protecting me from something because he would later become an alcoholic and he would lose all the money and so on and so forth. But he never cared about what happened to me from that moment on. I was disposable and I would be sexually abused, verbally abused, physically abused from the age of 11 to 17. And I still worked really, really hard because I know I was the first American. My brothers were born in Colombia and I really wanted to you know, make my mother proud. So I got a way to get into college. And then I met my next abuser, which is my husband. And um, because I was already in a lack state, because I was already in a depressed state, the only thing that I knew how to do was to be successful making money. So I started my first business with $250 and a car that went in first, third and reverse and a college degree. And um, by year three, I was like $30,000 in debt. And by year five, I was doing a little over a million dollars. And, you know, I grew up watching my mom um, hustle, or that's what we call it now, hustling, um, but being entrepreneurial. So whenever we would go home or to Columbia, our suitcases would be filled with like uh, Levi's jeans and Pepsi stuff and Coca-Cola, sorry, Coca-Cola's because in Colombia those things are very, very expensive. And when we would come back from home, when we come to the United States, um, our suitcases would be filled up with like uh, cow hides and things in America that were very expensive to pay for this trip home and to pay for money coming in. So there was never like, I never ever noticed lack or saw lack or ever thought about that. So in my mind, of course I was going to be, you know, become an entrepreneur, but I didn't know how to be good to Michelle or to treat Michelle well. And I remember, um, one of my very first big manifestations, um, I, I would tell people in the orphanage what was happening, but we were all being abused. So nobody cared and nobody cares about the throwaway kids. And so, um, you know, that was just like, you know, shut up and take it or you'll get beaten or, you know, put in, they have a little thing that was like the crazy house there. And if you talked about it too much, you'd get locked up in this, like literally a padded room for like four or five days. So you learned really quickly just to shut up and, and take it. And so, um, in college, you know, I met my husband and had he knew he was older than me. He knew what he had. I didn't know what I was. But when I was at the orphanage, there was a supermodel like the Kim Kardashian of our day, um, Cindy Crawford. And she had, you know, she was guest jeans and she was Pepsi and she was everywhere on the planet. And I would rip her out of all the magazines because she had brown hair and brown eyes. And everybody was like, you know, all American, blonde hair, blue eyed girl. And so every day I'm staring at Cindy Crawford and I'm staring at Cindy Crawford and I was just like, idolized her. And I was like, she's curvy too. I mean, even though I was very thin at the time, she was more than like a little stick Barbie. You know, she had a butt, she had shoulders, she had brown hair, you know, and I was just staring at her and staring at her and staring. And I was all the time, I was like, what would I say to her if I met her? You know, I would try to do my hair like her. I would try to do my makeup like her. 
Well, five weeks after I left uh, the Waco Children's Methodist Home, um, my sweet mate, uh, this very tall, blonde, this very, very tall, exotic girl, uh, Rachel Brazé, says, she goes, why do you have all these people, like all these pictures of Cindy Crawford taped to your wall? Like they, they don't know poverty. They didn't know, like, I, I don't have shoes. My shoes have cuts in the back of them so my feet can fit in them. Like I'm literally have enough money to like maybe get a glass of water and that's it. I have to find a job now. I'm 17. Like the whole world is just like, you know, here you go, drop you out. And luckily I was smart and I, I really studied hard and did very well in school. And so, um, I was like, Oh, because I'm obsessed with her. You know, she's so beautiful and she's so famous. She goes, do you want to meet her? And I started looking, I just looked at her like you're looking at me and I go, what? I mean, this is the most famous woman on the planet. This is pre-Google, pre this is when people go to the malls. You would see Britney Spears at the mall, you know, Justin Timberlake at the malls. Yeah. That's how we communicated as a society. Well, she goes, I'm a model. I was like, of course you are. Look at you. You know, you're like a, a mm-hmm. 10 feet tall, green eyes, brown hair. And she goes, and I just got booked for a gig with her. I go, what? She's like, yeah, she's coming to the Sun Devil Mall. And I said, I said, what? She goes, Michelle, stop saying what? Do you want to come? I was like, yes. And 17-year-old me, um, who had stared at this woman for three years on her wall, was walking into a model shoot at a mall with the model that was second to Cindy Crawford as my suite mate. And if you go to my website, you'll see a picture with me and Cindy Crawford. I'm a little teenager. I'm like, ah. And, um, and I walk in and Rachel was like, hi, um, I'm working. And the, you know, the guy was like, what are you doing here? Uh, obviously not a model, five, six. Um, <laughs> and I said, I'm her helper. <laughs> and, and he, she goes, okay. And then Miss Crawford, Cindy Crawford literally heard the guy being a jerk to me. He goes, Hey, don't talk to her like that. And I turn around at Cindy Crawford. She goes, do you want a picture? And I was like, and she goes, and for those of you who aren't watching and listening, I nodded my head and, um, <laughs> and we walked over. And as I sat down, she handed the guy, what was our day Polaroid situation, handed him the Polaroid. And she looked at me, she goes, you know, you could be a model. You're very, very beautiful. And like my whole world, like literally collapsed because Rachel gave me a sweater to borrow from the limited, you know, it was fancy and, um, and guest jeans. Like I had Cindy Crawford jeans on and I was like, I literally in the picture, I'm like, the smile is like, there's no face left. There's just teeth. Okay. And okay. So the universe was trying to show me a story that I yet had not interpreted, but what I knew was if I concentrated on something super hard, that things would just appear in my reality. And so after many, many years of building multiple successful businesses um, and having five miscarriages, a C-section scar, no baby, um, and taking a lot of abuse from my husband, never physically, but mentally and verbally and emotionally, which is just as damning. Mm -hmm. Bruises go away. The other ones don't. Um, I divorced him. I filed for divorce and I left him. Um, about 10 days after the divorce was final, um, I had been plotting for 90 days to kill myself. So I attempted suicide and survived. Um, and 
I was very angry because I really had never failed at anything I really wanted to do. And so I was really wanting to like, maybe now I'm going to get a gun because the drugs didn't work and you know, this and this, that. And I had a spiritual awakening and, um, through that spiritual awakening, I started almost like chastising. I, I wasn't somebody who believed in God and, and religion or anything of that nature. I really just believed it was me, myself, and I. And, yeah. and, and that was it. It was like me against the world. And so um, as I started to challenge this situation, as I learned from spiritual people like Dr. Wayne Dyer and um, Louise Mays Hayes and um, Esther Hicks um, and Napoleon Hill, I just started going down the rabbit hole of reading all of these books and just becoming obsessed with it. And to the part where I applied for a secondary degree um, about three months after my suicide and got into the program. Um, and it was a mindfulness cognitive therapy program where we learned about how the brain works and why we think the way we think. Because once you understand how to unlock the computer, then you can tap into the spirit because you're not dealing in a matrix or a reality in which you see yourself as somebody who's surviving life, but creating it. Yes, yes. I think that's beautiful. I thank you for sharing your story with me, you know, because that's a beautiful story to tell about you learning manifestations and how Cindy Crawford was right there. Goodness, that was a beautiful story. Oh, my goodness. I would have been like, oh, yes, let me see her, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was but so I scared. I was so scared to make anybody upset. I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? But I guess my real question is, you know, what made you start sharing and, and teaching this knowledge? Because let's be honest, you could have kept it to yourself. You know, and you could have just helped yourself and just the people that was in your in your touch and your reach. But what made you really want to just share this with other people that you started a podcast, you started your everything that you did outside of the norm of what people would expect? Um uh, once I started down the spiritual awakening rabbit hole, I realized that everything I'd ever created um, was leading me to being able to be comfortable enough to have the moxie to stand in front of 100,000 people. My very second speech was in front of 100,000 people talking about manifesting um, and, and stand up on stages and in front of people and on television screens and say, you have got it all fucking wrong. They are tricking us. They are fooling us. We look like idiots. Let's all fucking revolt. Let's all stand up. We don't have to be in the currency of fear. And, and the, the biggest lie we're ever told is that there's a scarcity of money. There isn't anything more abundant on this planet. There's money in coins. There's money in digital. There's money in trade. You can trade oranges. You can trade fucking uh, lemons. You can trade animals, okay? Um, so you can do swaps. You can do trades. There's currency. There's actual bills. Um, there's credit cards. Money is as abundant as air and as water. And yet, in a fear-based reality, we are taught that if you don't have it, you're losing. And so it keeps you on the treadmill of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And I had become, after my first business, I sold my first business. I opened up a PR agency. And at the time of my suicide, I was working with NBC, uni, Bravo, travel channel, huge networks. Um, 
And I had built that into a incredibly huge business. Um, but I didn't want to do that anymore. And I didn't want to, um, be in a reality where I was making insecure people, um, 30 seconds of their security because they got on the cover of a magazine or they got into this, uh, TV or they got a show or whatever it was that I was dealing with. Um, and I knew that if I didn't really accept what the universe was showing me that I was going to get back on the treadmill and eventually the computer and the soul would give out again. So once I went back to school and understood how to recalibrate the brain, understood what my amygdala was, understood what my frontal cortex was, understood what the reticular activation system was, how you could actually start watching yourself manifest things into your reality. And then changing physical properties in my reality, it was like going from zero to a hundred. And I, I was like, I, I can't keep this to myself. I have to talk about this. I have to do this. And all of my friends, all of my society friends, everybody was like, Michelle, you need to shut up. You sound crazy. Um, no one's going to employ you ever again. If this quote unquote manifesting crap doesn't work out for you, you're not going to be insurable with the NFL. You're not going to be insurable with TV networks. Um, this is really scary, Michelle. Like you're gone off to the deep end. I was like, I had lunch with you the day I tried to commit suicide. That's how much you don't know about me. There you go. And so if you step out of your comfort zone, if you are willing to say, this is the last day I'm living this bullshit reality. I'm living under your fucking rules. I'm taking what you're giving me. Then the rules start to change in your fucking favor. And the more people who are lit up, the more people who are enlightened, the more people who know how to do this, the harder it is to manipulate the masses. Yep. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I'm glad that you, you stood up not only for yourself, but for other people that didn't have a voice yet, for other people that didn't even know that they had a voice, for other mm -hmm. people that are still stuck in that limit limitation mindset. You know what I mean? That's still stuck in that rat race. I thank you for that. And I applaud you for that because then frankly, you could you could have kept it to yourself, but you're like, no, this is bigger than me, and I and I need to share it, and that's that's beautiful. That's like sharing sliced bread. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> teach them how to fish. Teach them how to fish. Right. Exactly. That's basically what you're doing. You're teaching somebody mm -hmm. how to fish instead of giving people fishes because you had a PR company. You could have easily just given people everything that they wanted, but no, you're like, no, you can do it for yourself. What happened if I die and my business is gone and it burns up and there's nothing left? What then? Then at least you can still learn how to manifest and still create the life that you always wanted for you. And I think that's beautiful because people need to realize that they have that power. People need to realize that, yes, it's not just some hocus pocus, wave a wand, pant some shit and knock some rocks over. You know what I mean? Like whatever they call it. Like, no, you don't yeah. have to change your world. You just have to realize like this is science. Like there's science behind this. If you actually study the mind, your mind, the mind will be so amazing that's why i love psychology that's why i love neuroscience that's why i love that direction because 
once I got into that area, it was just like, it's mind blowing to know how much we don't know about our minds. You know, they don't mm-hmm. teach us that because no. if they taught us that, then, then they would realize how much we are actually capable of doing without pharmaceuticals, without, without all these medicines, without all of these other things that come into play. Because if we come back to the root of who we are, everything else would be okay. And I think that's why I'm so glad that you came on my show to share this. And I'm so glad to have this conversation happen because this is a needed topic and this is needed for people to just start shifting in their their perspective and most definitely in a different way and i guess to start wrapping up the show but i know you already gave us some really great information some great stuff <laughs> to think about but what could be some lasting words that you can truly leave my audience off with to keep on thinking how is it going so far elaborate that's are you are you in the place, the time, the quantum field that you see yourself as the person that you think the highest of? Are you equal to the J-Lo version of your life? Are you equal to the Beyonce version of your life? Are you equal to the Taylor Swift version of your life? Whoever it is that you are looking up to, is that your life? If not, you have been, you're in the wrong timeline. And it is time for you to start questioning everything. Because there is only abundance waiting for you. You didn't come here to make people rich. You came here to be abundant. You have a divine right to actuate your abundance right now. So I ask you, how's it going? You know that. That's such a that's such a simple question, but when you put it in that deep of a level, it's like my job. My job. <laughs> I love it. Oh my well, gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because people that I might not reach who listen to your show who aren't on the metaphysical plane, and is one of the reasons that I wanted to, to be on your show and work with people like you is because everybody that are always asking me to, to do things with, they're already knee deep into spirituality and they've already taken 50 classes and they've already done all these things. And I like to open up the rocks where people are like, is she a witch? If I'm a witch, I'm the good witch, honey. I'm the witch of abundance, okay? I'm the witch. I'm the white witch. I'm the Wizard of Oz. I'm telling you, like, you know, there's no place like home and you're home. And so I want people to question it all. I want you to say, this, this is the first time I've ever heard somebody speak like this. What is she talking about? Because I had to have that experience too. And there aren't, there wasn't any Michelle's walking around doing this. It was actually somebody who had died that I had been spiritually awakened to see one of his videos that were super old on YouTube. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And, and that one, that one 30 minute YouTube led to 16 hours of watching him and then continuing to grow and grow and grow to the state that I'm in now. I mean, my podcast just hit 400,000 and I haven't even been three years. That's amazing. And one, one mic, no guests, no advertising, nothing. Just my intention of calling in everybody who is ready to transform their life. And I make every podcast like a 30 minute tutorial, because I know that if you're sitting in a place where you're barely making it, maybe you're in a relationship that sucks. Maybe you're staying with somebody, even though he treats you like that, or she treats you like that, or wherever you are, because you're scared to move forward that you may not have the situation, the courage, whatever it is to sign up for something or do something. Well, I have 
226 episodes that are absolutely free and you have no excuses. You just get a pen and paper and your time while you're doing the dishes, while you're walking the dog, while you're in the shower. I don't care when. Listen, start tuning in and let your angels and your guides and your higher self and your future self. There are all these different podcasts, hundreds of thousands of podcasts available. Why did you decide to listen to Mitzi's podcast today? Your future self wants you to wake the fuck up. That's why. I love it. I love it, Michelle. I swear we could just keep talking about life and <laughs> so many things for hours on end. This has been such a great conversation. I'm telling you, you do not get those all those mic drops. I mean, there's there's mics all over the floor. We just gotta get a room and sweep them all up. Like goodness gracious. I know it's been such a great time, Michelle. I've, I've been honored. I've been honored. If you really want to know more about Michelle, reach out to her. I have a lovely photo with her link to her website. Just go check it out. And I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed because I'm not. I mean, I'm very happy with this time that I shared with Michelle. This has been such a great time. So that's it. That's our show. Always, always keep thinking, y'all. Bye.